Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Last Song You Heard Podcast. I'm your host, Kev, here to bring you another episode where I talk about the last song that I heard. You can talk about the artist and the album, um, the history around the song, the history around the music itself, the genre, whatever. You know, you know how it goes at this point if you've listened before. But if this is your first time, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. So this episode is actually inspired by my recent uh, dive into the Final Fantasy VII Remake video game. It's uh, uh, a remake that came out in 2020 of a 1997 PlayStation 1 game. Um, Widely popular. Some consider it the best of the Final Fantasy series. I'm sure that there are uh, podcasts and blog posts and articles and uh, forum posts and you know, Facebook comments that uh, argue all the way down as to why it's the best, why it isn't the best, but either way. Uh, in 2020, uh, uh, Square Enix released uh, the first part of their uh, remake of the game. Again, this came out in uh, 2020 for the PlayStation 4. Um, and recently, I got my hands on a copy and have been playing it. It is a fantastic game um, with unbelievably fantastic music. So let's get into it, huh? The name of the track is called Smash 'em, Rip 'em, and it's uh, uh, composed by legendary video game uh, composer and artist Nobuo Uematsu, and it was arranged by Naoyuki Hanzawa. Apologies for the mispronunciations that likely happened there, uh, but either way, again, Smash 'em, Rip 'em, off the Final Fantasy VII Remake original soundtrack. Here's some of that. Such an awesome track. There's so much going on with it. I, I mean, obviously, this is just like a small clip um, from earlier on in the song. Um, that's more like drum and bass and almost like, you know, electro. And, and then there's a lot of different um, inspirations and styles and things to this song. Um, the track itself is pretty long. It's like, I don't know, like six or seven minutes long, I feel like. So it goes through like a few changes as well like the beginning of it that I played it's a more exciting part of the song I would say um or at least more fast-paced and and whatnot it's you know has that drum and bass kind of feel to it um midway through the song it gets a little bit more orchestral with some break beats under it still holding on to that electronic sound um and then by the end it starts slowing down a little bit does bring back some of that um electronic music back into it um again it's a it's a longer song or i mean it's like again it's like six minutes long um and there's a lot that goes on in it, but again, it's called Smash 'em, Rip 'em, um, uh, or in Japanese, uh, Suritsubu Najiro Kiru, um, and it is uh, by uh, the legendary composer Nobuo Uematsu um, and arranged by Naoyuki Hanzawa um, for the Final Fantasy VII remake uh, original soundtrack. Now, I'm not going to like get into the weeds on Final Fantasy 7 or the remake um as far as like where 
this song takes place in the game other than um, literally where I'm at in the game this song is playing. Um, it, if you're familiar with Final Fantasy VII or the remake, it's when um, you are in the gangster leader Corneo, uh, his mansion, um, and you are playing as the characters Aerith and Tifa um, after they just beat the shit out of a bunch of scumbag gangster dudes who, you know, were being beyond inappropriate with them, uh, I'll say. Um, and then and then you're going to, like, rescue the main character, Cloud. So the song was released, like, officially. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the game was released in April of 2020, but the actual original soundtrack was released uh, May 27th of 2020. Um, there's not, like, a ton on this song, I will say. You know, I think, you know, sometimes I end up talking about, like, really popular songs or songs that have just a lot of history behind them. This, while definitely has history behind it in that there's a lot about the actual album and the artist, the song itself is just really that. Um, you know, it's just the, the a song within the game. It's one of 157 tracks on the soundtrack. Um, but there wasn't, like, a ton out there that I could find other than, like, literally just, like, this is when it happens in the game, and this is the number on the the uh, the album, which I don't even think I mentioned. Um, it's uh, track 29 of, uh, again, 157 tracks, and it's on disc 4 of 7 um, of the original soundtrack. So there's a lot of music uh, w with this video game. And this video game that I'm talking about, this remake, is only part 1 Um which is like I think I was reading it's like thirty percent of the game, uh, so there are eight or seven CDs already uh, comprising the first thirty uh, percent of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, but it's actually just to talk about the album further. So it's a really long album. I've been uh, listening to it today uh, in full. I think I'm like a third of the way through, and I've been listening to it for a while. Um, Again, it's it's 157 tracks over seven CDs in total. It's about eight and a half hours if you were to listen to it straight through. Um, the uh, the the soundtrack is is primarily um, like comprised of arrangements by Nubuo Uematsu um, and like either reworks um, or or um, you know. Uh, uh, new like new versions of the original Final Fantasy 7 songs um the uh there are other artists as well that uh contribute to this uh, as far as um either you know series as far as like veterans within the Final Fantasy series uh like Masahashi uh, Hamazu and uh, uh Mitsuku Suzuki um so or I'm sorry Mitsudo Suzuki Apologies. Um, they also assisted with um, producing some of the music in this and arranging and composing. Um, I think that there are also some popular artists as well uh, that do some work with this. I know at one point in the game, there's like a, um, a little like mini quest or like side quest where you do like a dance battle. Um, and the two or three songs, I believe, were produced by like pretty popular or somewhat well-known pop musicians in Japan. Um, really catchy uh, fun songs as well. Um, but primarily, you know, new, uh, Nobuo Uematsu, uh, is, uh, the primary composer, uh, for this. Um, so, uh, it's an, it's a really, 
I don't even it's like hard to even just like jump into this thing because it's so such a beast of an album um it's comprised of so many different genres of music. I mean, the game itself, it takes place in kind of like a steampunk post-apocalyptic, I guess, um, type world. It's very, you know, at least in this portion of the game, um, it's very, uh, like urban and, uh, uh, kind of dirty, um, and, just in general, uh, very again, steampunk is a very good way of putting it. Uh, type environment. Um, in this game, there is also uh, like jukeboxes that you can go and like listen to music uh, throughout the game and and find new songs and whatnot, which is a really cool uh, aspect of this game. As someone who is uh, definitely very interested in video game music, being able to hear either variations on original music or uh, hear uh, new songs that were produced for this uh, game, um, you know, all throughout the game and, and collecting these CDs and whatnot in this jukebox. It's, it's really cool. Um, and so again, there's just a ton of music that goes into it. I mean, um, I, I, you know, this song again, it has a lot more electronic and, and like drum and bass breakbeats type aspects to it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different songs that are just straight up orchestral, you know, uh, type, uh, songs, some more, uh, stripped down folky type songs. There are some that are just guitar, um, you know, some that are more percussion based, um, blues, jazz, pop, rock, uh, you know, hip hop, like you name it, it's covered in this album. Um, one cool thing I will say with this remake uh, and this, this the soundtrack, uh, that they do um, employ adaptive music. So, like, when you're playing the game, arrangements will be playing, you know, under, say, like, things like dialogue or, like, when you're leaving certain rooms or going into certain areas, um, and they'll, like, uh, layer and fade and... Um, you know, differentiate music in that way as you're playing the game as well. Um, so if you're like in a battle or something like that, depending on what's going on in the battle, the music may change a little bit or get a little quieter or louder, depending on what's happening at that time. Um, and uh, generally speaking, apparently, um, you know, some of the original melodies had to be changed. Um, but they did their best in preserving these original melodies um, throughout the, um, the the video game, uh, despite there being um, some needed changes due to like voice dialogue and stuff. I just thought it was really cool to see that they were definitely trying to keep things as um, original as possible, or at the very least, continue to pay respect to and uh, you know uh, really hold something that is very near and dear to the fans of the series, and I'm sure, I mean, obviously someone like uh, Nobuo Uematsu, uh, you know, it's cool to see that, he, you know, he and the team there were able to to work these arrangements in a way um, that really fit with the game and the more modern gameplay style um, of it. I did want to mention, too, like, uh, and, and Actually, what I wanted to do is um, I just wanted to give an example of kind of how these things have changed over time. Now, um, this song, Smash 'em Rip 'em, does not, or I believe from what I could see, is not in the original Final Fantasy VII, again, released in 1997. Um, but I wanted to just give you an idea of the difference now because, you know, it's been um, 
23 years since the original game. So producing video game music has changed quite a bit. Um, I mean, that that's the understatement of for <laughs> the century. Um, but anyway, I wanted to play a little bit of the um, main theme of Final Fantasy VII from 1997 so you can get a feel for kind of like the differences here. So anyway, here, here's a little bit of the um, Final Fantasy VII main theme from the original soundtrack of the 1997 version. so beautiful it's awesome even though it's you know it's 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 such a almost like a simple sounding quote-unquote if you will uh type arrangement um but it's so so incredible um but, and i wanted to play a little bit of the m more recent uh, uh rework of the theme for this uh remake version of the game that came out this uh uh almost a year ago so anyway um uh, here, here's here's a little bit of that. It's so unbelievable how like amazing it it sounds to me. I, I if you couldn't tell, I'm very very hype on this soundtrack. I've also you know put about twenty hours of game play on this game in the last couple of days I feel like so a um, little bit of recency bias probably but I really really love it um, and it's so cool to hear the uh, progression of game um, soundtrack making uh, and composing you know from 20 years ago to now um, previous guest Carl did talk about this uh, you know a little bit and I definitely, uh, I'm sure he's listening to this, like pulling his hair out because I'm sure I'm getting some things wrong here. But either way, uh, again, I just wanted to uh, illustrate some of those changes uh, with this type of music. Now, I want to talk about the artist himself, Nobuo Uematsu. Um, so Nobuo Uematsu is considered like the beethoven of video game music from what i could read and i'm familiar with his work despite like i'm a video game fan absolutely i've always played video games i'm a i'm a hashtag gamer you know um but um you know i'm not someone who growing up really got into video game soundtracks uh as much it's been more recent that i i really started to uh focus on this um music more and more um, but despite that, I was familiar with uh, Uematsu's work just because, you know, he's so prolific in, in the work that he does. Um, so he was born in uh, uh, 1959, actually, March 21st. So happy belated birthday, Nobuo. Um, and he was born in uh, Kochi, in the Kochi Prefecture in Japan. He actually self-taught uh, on the keyboard, um, you know, growing up. He played some uh with some local bands, you know, nothing um, beyond, like, amateur, you know, uh, music, um, and was actually hired in 1985 by Square uh, while he was working in a music rental shop part-time um, in Tokyo. And I thought it was funny in reading it. He actually, he gets approached by this, um, you know, person from Square, uh, again, the video game company, and th he accepted, you know, that he would 
do this work part time. And he so he's working at this rental shop in Tokyo um, and then was like, I'll make some scratch on the side um, composing video game music. So he worked with Square from 1985 to 2004. Um, he composed over 30 uh, original soundtracks, um, his first being a game called Cruise Chaser Blasty, which was a sci-fi uh, RPG for a bunch of different Japanese computers in 1986, um, or 85-86. He first composes, uh, or he composes the first Final Fantasy original soundtrack in 1987. Um, after that, he has... He, he pretty much was the sole composer for the Final Fantasy series until Final Fantasy X. Um, and again, I you know had talked quite a bit about the original Final Fantasy VII that came out in 1997. One thing that I thought was interesting uh, doing some research on that original soundtrack and on um, Nobuo Uematsu's um, methods was that when he was creating the soundtrack for Final Fantasy VII back in 1997, he, he took a different approach to it because he felt that how he was approaching and how generally game original soundtracks were approached didn't really work with Final Fantasy VII, and he wanted to treat it like a film soundtrack. So he, he more was focusing on music that reflected the mood of the scenes rather than trying to just make strong melodies to, quote, define the game. Um, and he said that he felt that that like, type of approach of making these strong melodies to define the game would be too strong when placed alongside the game's new 3D visuals. Um, he wanted to use CD quality music when um, composing this music and, you know, include vocal performances, but it increased the load times uh, for the game. So he decided to just um, continue to use the uh, MIDI-like sounds produced from the PlayStation 1's um, internal sound sequencer, it's similar to how previous soundtracks were made. Um, but uh, again, he, he took this like different approach in in actually composing the music for the game itself um which really set this one above uh his previous work and really any other soundtrack at that time um this uh or one song that i wanted to name in particular or call out um from this original soundtrack is called one winged angel or karaoku no tenshi um and it's considered the most popular song of uh that soundtrack and really of his uh work one thing i wanted to mention it's also the first game um track to use digitized vocals as well um for those of you who are familiar with the game, Final Fantasy VII, um, it is the track uh, played in the final boss battle, to my knowledge or in my memory, and it's uh, like kind of like Sephiroth's theme. I don't think I'm speaking too out of turn there uh, by saying that. But anyway, after this, he continues to produce and compose soundtracks for uh, video games with Square. Again, he worked there through the you know 2000 until 2004. Um, during this time, he also formed a group called the Black Mages uh, with colleagues Kenichiro F uh, Fukui and uh, Suyoshi Sakido. And then uh, basically those two uh, approached Muimatsu uh, with, um, or I'm sorry, Uimatsu with uh, uh, putting together this group uh, where they would reinterpret his music that he had been composing. And he said no at first, but then ended up uh, joining and uh, they they. Um, 
started doing some, you know, touring. They ended up releasing three albums. Um, and in 2003, a few other uh, individuals from Square joined the group. Uh, Keiji Kawamori, Arata Hanyuda, and Michio Okiyima, or I'm sorry, Okamiya. So then, uh, as mentioned, he leaves Squaresoft 2004, there was kind of two reasons behind this. So one, one was was pretty straightforward. I, you know, he mentioned um, he wanted to take his life into his own hands, um, which I think is pretty, you know, ex- understandable. Like I feel like when you're working somewhere for so long, and especially doing something as far as like music, you know, you're gonna eventually want to do your own thing and, and kind of step out and see what else is out there. Um, so I totally get that. But the other thing that, that was interesting was that he also left <laughs> due to the fact that they moved the headquarters from Meguro uh, to Shinjuku in Tokyo, and he wasn't comfortable with the new location. So he leaves uh, and uh, uh, decides to do freelance work and actually opens his own production studio called Smile Please. Um, in 2006, he opens up his own record label called Dog Ear Records. Um, but the thing is, so he leaves Square, but he continues to work with them, but, you know, as a freelancer. He has continued to compose um, and work on various soundtracks with them, including, um, you know, Final Fantasy, you know, within all these different iterations of it. I think they're up to, like, I don't know, like 16 or something or 15 now. He also, um, and, you know, until, like, COVID and whatnot, was touring with his group, which I love this band name, called the Earthbound Papas. And, you know, as mentioned, he would do work with orchestras as well. So I know most recently he had been, you know, working on a soundtrack for a game that, that's going to be released this year. I did read, though, unfortunately, it's it's kind of being reported that it may be his last one. You know, he has had some health issues in, in the last couple of years, apparently. And so, you know, he may be stepping back from this uh, work which is a huge bummer. Obviously, this man is a legend in the scene itself and, and in the uh, genre. Um, so, you know, I hope that he's uh, doing okay and that he's healthy and, and all that. But um, either way, he's given us so much. I mean, he, he's produced like well over 30 original soundtracks or composed rather, well, you know, 30 original soundtracks, um, you know, movie soundtracks, um, TV, you name it. He's, he's worked on it. His Wikipedia discography uh, section is humongous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is uh, that is uh, a very brief uh, overview of Nobuo Uematsu and his uh, illustrious career. Again, I-, I mentioned it before, but he is, you know, considered like the Beethoven of video game composition and music. Uh, he is a titan, to say the least. And I hope that he continues to produce um, because his music is unbelievable. So I wanted to move into some news, talk about some new music as per usual. For some of the news that has happened in the last week, uh, the Library of Congress added 25 new tracks uh, to to its library. Some tracks like The Rainbow Connection, as performed by Kermit the Frog, uh, Nas's album Illmatic, Janet Jackson's album Rhythm Nation 1814, Louis Armstrong's performance of When the Saints Go Marching In, The LaBelle's Lady Marmalade, and then I thought this was pretty cool too. This American Life is now the first podcast to join the Library of Congress, so congrats to Ira Glass. No surprise that what is essentially the first podcast 
is now the first podcast to enter into the Library of Congress. Very cool to hear that. I saw that uh, Elton John is doing some work with Metallica, apparently, so that'll be interesting. I thought that guy retired, but eh, whatever. Elton John can do, obviously, whatever Elton John wants because he's motherfucking Elton John. Some uh, promising news for Broadway. Uh, Apparently, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is pushing to have uh, Broadway open in the fall, obviously having been shuttered due to COVID. Um, I hope to see that, uh, you know, come back pretty quickly. I know that there are, (laughs) you know, an unbelievable amount of people who are reliant on that. Uh, So uh, beyond wanting to see productions and experience that just to, to get people back to work and whatnot. Um, that'll be good to see. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. And really with, with the vaccinations that have been happening um, and you're starting to see festivals come back, I've, I've started to see, um, you know, tours get announced and um, I started to see artists, you know, post like, hey, booking for shows late 2021, 2022. So it's really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see some of this, um, this good news and see live shows come back that's that's going to be awesome um on the other side of things i did just want to mention um oso oso they're uh, an emo type band um unfortunately their uh guitarist uh, uh tavj maloney he passed away um i'm a big fan of their music i've seen them live a couple of times and they're really good and it's you know, always really hard to hear about someone so young passing away. He was like 24, um, and you know, I, I it's it's a bummer to hear that, but it felt like you know, I felt like I needed to mention it just because I am a big fan of their music, um, and I think everyone should go and check out Oso Oso. Um, they're a really great band, um, and my hearts go out to them. So yeah, you know, that's that's the music news talking about some new music um so this past friday what was that the 26th i guess um brock hampton made their return uh with a song called buzz cut featuring danny brown taylor swift did another version uh like where she's re-releasing or releasing new versions of her old music so she can now own it again because the music world and copyright law and all that craziness is insane and stupid um so she's releasing, you know, new versions of old songs. This one is You All Over Me. Soulfly uh, was released by Rod Wave. 24 Karat Golden released his album El Dorado. Carrie Underwood released an album My Savior. Um, Demi Lovato released the song Dancing with the Devil. Um, Vic Mensa released an EP called I Tape. Chris Lake and Reva Starr released a song called Beat Freak. And then Shelly who is formerly known as Dram, not sure why Dram changed their name to Shelly, but Shelly released a song called Cooking with Grease. Um, and the last song, it's kind of like music news too, so I wanted to save this part for last, to talk about Lil Nas X and how awesome Lil Nas X is. Lil Nas X is a hip-hop artist, for those of you who are not familiar with um, uh, his work. Um, blew up on the scene with that song old town road a couple years back or i don't even know time is not real anymore so it may as it could have been a year ago could have been five years ago but it feels like it was 20 um but old town road came out um was all over music and media and everything forever um and you know put out a couple other songs i think put out like an ep or i don't think lil nas x put out a whole album but either way 
last week released a track called Montero, uh, Call Me By Your Name, um, and released a music video with it that has been really causing a stir because people don't know how to handle something that's different from them. Um, and the music video is uh, very much explicit in that, you know, it has scenes where Lil Nas X is on a stripper pole and dancing and there are um, imagery, there's imagery of him, you know, sliding down the stripper pole from heaven to hell and giving Satan a lap dance. It's really cool. It's a, it's a weird but very, very cool video and the song is great. Uh, it's a catchy track. It's going to be a, a summer, um, I feel like, you know, it could be a, a summer hit as far as uh, the weather changing now, and it kind of has that feel to it. Um, and, of course, you know, the world exploded and people are freaking out because of the devil being in it and whatnot. He also released a pair of limited sneakers um, in conjunction with um, this design company. They took a pair of... Uh, they took a pair of Nikes uh, and did some adjustments to them, um, putting like the uh, pentagram on it. There's like red; it's like the red and black, I believe. Um, and supposedly they used a drop of blood in the ink for them. There's like a um, Bible verse, or you know, like a John three sixteen or whatever written on the side of it, apparently having to do with the devil being defeated. Um, there's it's a whole lot of nothing is really what's going on. I mean, the, the so not the song, the, the fervor around it. Um, I also thought it was funny that the sneakers were, you know, limited to 666 um, versions of it. Um, so, yeah, people are freaking out. And, you know, one big thing is, unfortunately, there's a lot of homophobia. I mean, obviously, in general, in the world, but more specifically within hip-hop. I mean, Lil Nas X is one of the few openly gay artists within hip-hop. Um, and the video is, and it, okay, the response that I had seen to the video from fans and people who, who were, you know, into it, one thing that I saw mentioned more than once were, um, people saying like, wow, I've never seen a hip hop video, um, be so like unabashedly, um, gay for lack of a better term. And it's true. I mean, like, you know, and it's great. I, I think it's it's a, a breath of fresh air into the music, and I think it's insane that people would feel uncomfortable with it. Um, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir. I feel like everyone who's listening to this agrees with this, so, like, it's not like I'm saying anything new um, or anything, uh, uh, you know, out there or whatever, but it just felt like it needed to be said. Lil Nas X rules. Um he had a lot of great responses on Twitter. He's a very, um, uh, uh, he's like really busy on social media in general. Uh, so I always like uh, seeing what his responses are to all this stuff. It's really cool. Um, and, it, and it's caused a lot of craziness recently. But yeah, that is this week's episode. I kind of thought it was going to be a little shorter, but it looks like things are going to be going a little longer. Um, although that's kind of par for the course at this point. So for this week's recommendation, um, I'm going to say go listen to the Oso Oso album and that uh, it's O S O space O S O. And their album is called Real Stories of True People Who Kind of Looked Like Monsters. Um, it's a great album. Again, you know, it's not the best news ever with them losing their guitarist tragically, but even still, you know, my heart goes out to them. 
and I think everyone should give them a listen in general. They're they're a great band. Again, the band is called Oso Oso, and the album is Real Stories of True People Who Kind of Looked Like Monsters. Uh, awesome, awesome band, awesome album. But yeah, that's it for this episode. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it every single time. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can go to Twitter at the last song you heard. Instagram and Facebook, it is at the last song pod. If you want to send me an email, feel free. You can send it to the last song you heard at gmail.com. Otherwise, oh wait, and you can give it a nice little review on Apple Podcasts and whatnot. That always helps out. Um, so feel free to um, do that if you if you so please. It's always appreciated, never required, of course. But yeah, that'll be it for this episode. I'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Hope you stay safe and healthy and happy in the meantime. Bye.